0: This <laughs> is
1: You're listening to Living Writers. I'm Tia Hetzel, and today on the program, I'm pleased to have Nancy K. Pearson here. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, well, I'm gra- glad you could um, work it in to the schedule, because you're visiting Ann Arbor to read at Shaman Drum. I am, where, yes. And um, and we're speaking on the, the 5th of December, 2008. Um, so hopefully some of the listeners have had a chance to, to hear you in person um, when you were reading at the bookshop.
2: That's actually tomorrow. I'm reading... At the Shame and Drum tomorrow. So I hope, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully people, yeah.
1: Well, yeah. It, it's kind of tricky when we have these, these uh, taped shows and then there's... Yeah.
2: Sorry about that. I I don't know where, you know, where I am right now. It's like, it's always like that. I feel like we're, yeah,
1: don't, I do it all the time, Nancy, and then talk about it for 20 minutes of the program. So we won't do that this time. Um, So um, just to begin, I'm going to read your biography here, Nancy, and then we'll we'll kind of fill in some, some of the other stuff that um, afterwards, Nancy K. Pearson, originally from Chattanooga, Tennessee, received her MFA from George Mason University. Recently, she completed two seven-month poetry fellowships at the Fine Arts Work Center in Provincetown An avid runner and cyclist, she now lives on Cape Cod with her partner And Nancy is in town with her book, her first book, or your first collection, Nancy That's right Two Minutes of Light
2: um, from Perugia Press so Right Just out this year Just out, yes, this summer It's a, it's a beautiful book, too Thank you the, I'm very happy with it. The press did a great job, and it's uh, Susan Can is the editor and founder of
1: the press. That's right. She... Yes,
2: she. It's a small press, and um, the book award is for women poets, for their first or second collection. Because the point is to be early in the career of the poet, right? To in, yeah, encourage emerging, emerging writers, and um, she's very fun to work with, and um, she really let me uh, do a lot of the designing and and whatnot for the book, the cover. You really, know, so the color, how, the photo, the colors, and it, everything. Really, I picked the cover, um, and the the artist is actually a, a Tasmanian painter named Damien um, Bumgartner. Oh,
1: and so was it um, a, a work, a, like an artist that you, meant a lot to you? And so there was... Not a, really. Okay. I,
2: you know, I came across uh, this painting. I'd been searching for, you know, images, and I thought I was going to go with a you know black and white photo of, you know... Um, by someone that I actually know and and then I found this painting and it's really spoke to me. And so he's a an emerging artist so I was happy to to oh. use his work. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and and two minutes of light
1: is is a line that comes from one of your your poems. Right, right. And and was that something that was said or was that something that you found when you were when after your book was awarded
2: the prize and you were working with Susan Can or Yeah, the book was actually <laughs> It went through many different titles. I think the first round was "Silver Bimbo Mudflap Songs," which
1: is another poem.
2: And I can barely, you know, say it without (laughs) mispronouncing it. And some people really loved that title, and others just really hated it. They were like, "Oh, too Kentucky Fried Southern" or whatever. Um, And then it was "Needle Girls," which another poem again. That's kind of rough. It's a harsh kind of a harsh title. So this this Unless it was about cross stitch. And which it's. is <laughs> Interestingly enough, yes, there's a Nancy Pearson who's a famous cross stitcher so that would have messed everyone up. Maybe I would have gotten more sales that way though <laughs> and some interesting feedback, some letters maybe exactly. <laughs> Where are
1: the patterns in this book right right <laughs> Well you'd have to there's poetry patterns here <laughs> <laughs> but yet two minutes of light seem it seems like a really beautiful title.
2: Thank you yeah it, the, you know the idea is that in the poem um, two minutes of light is what we get every day after the solstice and so it's a hopeful title Um, and I wanted the title to be hopeful because ultimately the book is about hope it seems to have an arc that leads to the redemption sort of or is
1: that too heavy handed well redemption
2: maybe not (laughs) I would like to, to to think that um the speaker's still pretty human and not redeemed, but <laughs> it, it aims towards that. In, in fact, a lot of the poems that I'm trying to write now are, have nothing to do with redemption. They're just kind of about being in the world and making mistakes and just kind of how we just live with our mistakes. And we're, we're neither redeemed nor ruined by them. But this book, I think, does have more... Of an arc of of redemption and well, you, no, you don't grace. have to say that if you if I'm totally no, asking. you're right. Yeah. You're right. I think I want my uh, newer poems not to be about redemption. So um, when I look back at these, I, I see that I see that they are a lot about grace and hope and when so when you went to
1: Provincetown what if the what was your working manuscript at the time and because uh two fellowships that's that's a a a big amount of time that you're spending there and and producing work and so what was what was the state of the poems when you got there and I had a
2: handful of poems that I wrote in grad school at George Mason and when so maybe handful, half truly a handful, or probably for the MFA, were you required to have a a bunch of them, but mm-hmm. a handful that you felt were true? Or? Exactly. I you know I had thirty poems um, from my I guess my thesis that I brought with me, and I weeded those out and I rewrote and rewrote and wrote new poems. So there's a lot of old material in here that's just kind of the framework. Of of what it was, um, and I I I'm a huge reviser. I really believe in revising. So there are maybe five poems that haven't been revised much since grad school, but the the two years um, in Provincetown. Most of that time I wrote new stuff and revised. And that became part of Two Minutes of Light. That's right, that's right. So
1: that would be the influences more of of the sea then, like the opening poem with the
2: crabs? Yeah. Is that it, or? Mm -hmm. Well, the the opening poem, actually, it's it's an interesting kind of cycle. My life's kind of started, my good childhood memories and whatnot um, are centered around the sea. My father used to take us to the Outer Banks and um, of North Carolina, and we spent a lot of time in the ocean, and then you know ended up moving back to the sea on Cape Cod. So they're both, you know, the present and and the past.
1: And and so um, so the beginning. Well, let's see. Um, with the be- it's part of the way you structured the book, Nancy. Is it that you you are. Because you open with these the images from the sea, and then but then it, it shifts r- quite dramatically. Um, and I think we have um, well soon. There's the silver bimbo mud flap song right, poem that right. comes in, and so um, you're, it seems like the speaker is there in the childhood uh, immediately, and then that's the progression through the book is, is the growth, literally, um, of this. The persona. When you're writing, is this is this confessional poetry, or how would you? I mean, it's a good
2: question. Yeah, or or narrative, or right. Is there a persona? (laughs) It's it's hard to. I think it's hard for me to classify my own work. Um, When. I hear confessional, I start, I, and I think a lot of people feel like that's a bad thing. Or have um, some hives or so. Yeah, I start to get hives and <laughs> <laughs> they think, oh no, she's going to offer herself." Or, you know, they think of Sylvia Plath and Anne Sexton, whom I love and they were big influences. Um, but I think they, a lot of people don't give, um, they don't take it seriously Um, that genre although Lowell was a great confessional poet um, so you know Snodgrass as well so I think they are confessional um, Mm -hmm. and I think um, the lyric eye is is pretty true within
1: your work you're saying with the eye is your, these poems are autobiographical. Is that uh, they
2: are somewhat, yeah, somewhat. autobiographical. They have been um, settings have been changed, or uh, things have been embellished or taken away. And there are some um, some instances where I'm more like a fly on the wall, watching things happen, but I was there. So, um, so I don't I don't think they're narrative necessarily. Although I think the book does tell a story. Um, but some of them, I think, are a little more meditative. The, the The book itself seems like it's a
1: traveling book as well. Like the. Um the, the I, <laughs> um, our our narrator of that, because it seems like the voice is a constant throughout the entire It book, is. Yeah, so. it really is. And so this, but this voice travels then from the South, where you would
2: think like Tennessee, more of the, the deep South. Is that yeah, fair to I, say? Uh, Yeah, I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in the deep South. Um, and my family on my father's side, they're all from like Hoboken, Georgia, you know, way near the Finoki swamp. So, in there. Yeah, in, in there. And in I, there. you know, I've moved a thousand times. I hate to say it, but I've moved a lot in my life, you know, <laughs> so they... It's that Sagittarian quality coming that's up. That's right. We had discussed that, <laughs> right.
1: Um, right be- before we went on the air, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then you, so this also, so you were in um, Tennessee, but then you've also, you, there's a move in
2: the poems out west. So right. I San lived in San Francisco. Francisco for a little while. I mean I lived in Littleton, Colorado and sold books door to door for for one summer but Sold books? Yeah. What kind of encyclopedias or encyclopedia study guides? Yeah, I even went to sales school. Really? Terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. It
1: sounds like <laughs> It sounds kind of great, too, though, in a way. Was it terrible because it was just like walking, having to talk with people door yeah, to door? My, um,
2: my manager, it was one of those pyramid scheme things, and my manager would drop me off in a neighborhood at six in the morning, and I would start knocking on doors then. Now, I don't know anyone who wants <laughs> their door knocked on at six in the morning with some little face going, hi, I'm from Virginia, and I... I've come to your neighborhood to show you some study guides. That's pretty much what I had to do. So at six a.m. at six a.m. Yeah, I'm surprised you're still around to tell this tale. I this am too. Funny. I ended up in a psychiatric hospital that summer. <laughs> really, it really pushed me to my limit. Well, I
1: could see why. I mean, because you're dealing with people in like the parts of humanity.
2: Like in their uh, most, it was, it was unreal, <laughs> and I'm really laid back. I'm not really a a sales salesman, p- no. So, I I was in debt. I you know I needed to pay off my American Express, and thought this was a good idea, some quick money yeah. with the study guides. Yeah, yeah, um, not well, a good idea. You're here to tell us that it's it's not
1: the quick way to easy money, but maybe poetry is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poetry is definitely the quick way Quick and easy, big bucks We'll, we'll uh, take a short break Thanks. And then Nancy will come back and hear a couple of poems It so, sounds good You're listening to Living Writers, I'm T Edsel. we'll be back
0: Now that I've met you Would you object to Never see Each other Again Cause I aboard you No one's got that much ego to spend So don't work your stuff Because
1: Welcome back. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, Nancy K. Pearson. Um, So, And we're here. We're talking about Nancy's first collection, Two Minutes of Light, published this year, this summer, by Perugia Press. Um, So, Nancy, you've got a poem on deck for us. I
2: do. I sure do. So, shall I just read it? That would be great. Okay. To the high school prom queen. There's just one highway. The wind rears up like a circus beetle. The setting sun hangs purple tags on the mountains as if night were for sale too. Las Vegas tilts a wheels its neon legs towards the desert, humming seamstress of broke down and writs, tacking embroidery floss and velvet swag on everything. You are there in the Women's Correctional Institute. "'Sleeping on a cot in a former storage closet. "'Miles away, snow wriggles through dune and pine. "'Port chops thaw in my sink. "'Potatoes boil on the stove. "'You, behind a barpole of stars sky-wandering "'and homeless without the concrete hooks of a city. "'You on the streets, cash-wadded and meth-loaded. "'You, knocking out someone's teeth.' Dear friend, I have finally stopped trying to kill myself. Sometimes the light comes in tiny points, shark toothed and smaller than stars. Sometimes it sprays over everything. Every day my scars shrivel up, lids of rain in a garbage can. Once I wanted to travel. Now I'm in love with the way whole Saturdays weigh on my back with laminate flooring and wood piling. My girlfriend and I throw chops on the grill, fat floats above the trees. Shaken, sometimes the stars, the pine needles spiral gracefully. Thank you, Nancy. You're welcome.
1: Um, the poem that you you chose to read, that, I love the lines where, ay, 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 where are they? Because I had them marked. Um, Well, the shark tooth, those lines, where it's the light with the shark teeth. I don't know why I'm having a hard time. I've dog-eared too many of your poems here, so I (laughs) I can't quite flip to it like I was thinking I was cool enough to do. Here it is. All right, why would I think that? Yeah, sometimes the light comes in tiny points. There's the shark tooth and smaller than stars. Lids of rain in a garbage can. Those are wonderful images, too.
2: This poem was actually, um, you know, I think there's so much of of me, you know, in the book. But this poem was actually to the high school prom queen. In fact, <laughs> you weren't joking. Um, no, I wasn't joking. Um, she was a couple years older than I am. One of my very best friends, and just ended up on the streets, and um, in Tennessee, there in Chattanooga. Yeah, in what? Chattanooga. Okay. Um, and she's actually, luckily, she's fine now. But you know, for a while, she was in in jail for lots of different reasons, and out in Las Vegas, and you know, pract- you know, she was just destroying herself slowly, um, but surely, and. Um, you know in a way so was I in different ways and some somewhat you know the same too so I wrote this for her and then again you know also for myself um, Has, do you know if she's read it is this something um, the, the something that I don't know I mean the book came out a couple months ago and um, she just had a baby so <laughs> I thought I'd wait to show her this poem um, but I hope she's read it yes yeah uh, it's
1: wonderful where you also you have that moment where it's the um, cash wadded and meth loaded you knocking out someone's teeth. That's right. And then you move to dear friend, which right. is really great.
2: She is a dear friend, so. Yeah. And she did knock out someone. She did, in stuff. fact. I mean, that's quite the story. She um, knocked out a, a officer or a cop's you know teeth, and. Um, is she a is she a big prom queen? No, she's tiny. She's your typical blonde haired, like you know, size zero petite tan. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but she is tough. Man, she
1: is tough. <laughs> right. And in a, in in some ways that must have that's what got her through too.
2: Yeah. So that's, that's
1: right. That's and so right. and so you have another poem um that you begin with the two I think it's two is it two worlds? Um where you're you're also talking about the number of suicides in England slowed between sixty three and seventy five. Mm-hmm. Um because of a removal of carbon monoxide, reading from your quote from the public gas supply, so this idea—it seems like part of what you're concerned with—is you, you said like the the prom queen, uh, these these women, um, presumably more women, probably than men, for the home, like killing themselves. Right. Um, this concern, uh, and you said you, you felt like in the the poems as well that you were also um, destroying yourself in mm-hmm. different ways. Um what are what do you find in there like is that something that you feel like is a condition of the time for for women or something that was happening maybe in the okay in the south i know that's not
2: england yeah. obviously but um, well i have i have a lot of theories about that but um several things happened i think in the 80s and the 90s um there was First of all, a lot of awareness about things like childhood abuse and domestic violence, and that came, you know, that was publicized instead of being something that people didn't talk about anymore. Right, it existed, right. but and no one. people started talking about that, and so I think people's um, ways of dealing with that was they'd always been dealing um, with these kinds of issues. Um, like in the poem Needle Girls, you know, how these women, um, in, you know, centuries ago were putting needles in their skin and that was a form of self-injury. Um, and so I think, you know, the book is pretty preoccupied with self-injury and I think it became more, people became more aware of it once, um, the other taboo subjects, you know, were outed. I also think, though, women in the 90s, there was a sort of this thing um, that happened where women were diagnosed and diagnosed and diagnosed with various kinds of um, disorders, you know, multiple personality disorder, you know, you name it, and put in hospitals in droves. And I think this created a sort of... um, Sickness. Um, it didn't. It didn't create the sickness, but it kept people very s- sick. And um, I noticed um, the people around me, myself included. We suddenly we we became patients instead of college students or women, you know. And um, so there was a lot of good things happening. Things were coming out in the open. Um, people were understanding that there was a lot of. You know, there needed to be a lot of healing, but there was also this sort of, once you identify with an illness, then sometimes that, you carry that around. Then you're saddled and with it rather than naming yeah. it and having some control over right, it. It, right. Becomes something that's it felt really out of control. Um, and in some of the hospitals, you know, there were 10, 20 women being diagnosed with MPD, multiple personality disorder. And that's a really rare thing disorder and so it was a fad and so was kind of self-injury and you know it was all around me and that's in this book I, th- I think it's yes yeah that... did I even answer your question I think so, I think so. <laughs> well, in many the... ways okay. in ma- yes
1: well because there's a line from the poem where I think um uh, let's see from
2: th- thought thinking itself that's uh, a weird title isn't it I don't I don't know about that title but yeah there is a I like it oh good yes but if you think yeah why is it weird um I'm not sure I am not happy with all my titles yet but there's nothing I can do about it now is there (laughs) (laughs) but yeah there is a line um after a month on a psych ward doctors discovered I had 15 personalities Mm -hmm. I I was 20 I made them all up this is a true story Um, this is a true story is is always something people you know comment on like why would you put this is a true story in a line in your work and is is it a true story and it's I'm not sure what do you want to say about that it is a true story and why I put it in there I think is to raise question um about truth and what what are stories and what's truth and kind of mix it up a little bit in to actually raise that as as a, as a question
1: in the poem but yes because in some ways it either makes it more true what's right there or it throws into you it makes you question ev- everything right in some ways. right, right? exactly it's a, it's a little trick
2: but, but. It,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but. but it's also I think, in some ways, trying to talk to the doctors that were
2: so sure that they had some sort of truth. Right, 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 so. right. And, you know, we were all pretty much lying to our doctors in a way. Why we, was
1: that, I wonder? Well, it's what I they think wanted it's to hear. A doc-
2: if a doctor says, listen, you know, you have this disease and we know how to cure it. You want to believe that you have it because you, want, they, to be you want to be cured you want to be cured yeah of something of something right you want to feel better and if there's you know if someone's like you're just down and out and you know suicidal and depressed get over it that's a lot harder to deal with than someone saying guess what you have this you know disorder and if you do this and this and this you, you'll be better and that's what they were saying to us um and we didn't get better i didn't get better it took me years and years and, it, and it, there is
1: a, an earlier line in the poem. Nancy says, for 10 years I lived mostly on psych wards and nothing burnished more than my overestimated connection to grief. And so is is that another moment of autobiography where you're saying this?
2: It is, yeah. I was in and out of, of psychiatric institutions for quite a while, um, through college and, and after. Um, and yeah, I... Is that when you found writing as
1: well as a way I did to write a lot during... survive that or to try and understand it when other people weren't able to either, either understand you or,
2: or fix things or, yeah. Yeah, it really is when I started to, um, to yeah, try to understand myself. I, I started writing in journals and, you know, I, I took one undergrad um, poetry writing class at the University of Virginia with a great instructor, Lisa Raspar um and found out that, wow, I really love this. But then I, I didn't take any more classes for another 10 years or so, you know, until I got my MFA. So... It um, was definitely where I found my voice. Is that
1: because there was, well, that's important. We'll have to come back to that. But but is that also, was there a break after Virginia where you moved west and then you were in Colorado and San Francisco? That's right.
2: Okay. before i went back to grad school yeah i lived out west and so and so you were looking for something when you went west i was a lot of times i was looking for crack but (laughs) okay well let's take a short break
1: and then we'll come back Okay.
2: okay um we're talking
1: today with nancy k pearson her latest well her first and latest collection two minutes of light we'll be back to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, we've got Nancy K. Pearson and her book, Two Minutes of Light. Um, thanks to Hugh Stimson for engineering the Marvel. Hugh Stimson. <laughs> um, and so, okay, so we've we've been talking, we talked really briefly, Nancy, didn't we, about like these ideas of writing with the lyric eye and in right. some ways... Confessional, because I wonder if confessional things just also mean, like, a people put that on there if there's some rawness of language Mm -hmm. or imagery.
2: I think so. I think I think it first got started. I I feel like the term has or had sort of a pejorative sense because. You're talking about taboo subjects, and the goal of the poem was to to confess instead of making art, or making a craft. So, but couldn't that also be art? Then, it's but I think there's another. both to it. Yes, and I think I would like to take back the you know, the term or the genre or whatever you want to call it, confessional, because they are confessional, and um, I hope that that. But it's not just you're not just confessing right you're making it into craft And art yes shaping it right it so, yes right so and it
1: seems like I would say that almost anything that you're you're creating really could be seen as some sort of confession even if it's masked in different ways because that's right it's what you're what you're present what's in your subconscious or your mind or whatever's driving you anyway it's not like that you'll escape that
2: right no right. matter how you're creating it on the page that's true <laughs> some i think maybe confessional um people use it more when it's like very taboo subject you know mm-hmm. so and these are tough gritty you know subject subjects in here so yes
1: because there, there's see, early scenes with a stepfather where mm-hmm. there's there's um, betrayal with, and transgression, um, and then well, why don't why don't we hear another poem, Nancy, sure. so people can hear what your work is saying?
2: Okay, and I'll, I'll read a grittier poem. Then this is really not light reading, is it? <laughs> No, settle in, everyone. <laughs> Turn up the radio dial. <laughs> All right, I'll read a couple stanzas um, from a poet from a poem called um, "From the Motel by the Hour."
1: Because how many how many of the sections are there?
2: There are six total, okay. um, and so I will read just a couple. Sounds good. All right. This is the s- uh, second stanza. Strung out, Silva and I need a bump. The wind, spring-loaded and snap-buckling through the cypress, creeps in, splinters the stash thin across the motel floor. We are crawling and picking through the carpet. Silva says, Stop pushing my head down, Reggie. My knees got seeds mashed in them. Night is a rerun, rerun. Fight over a pebble high. That long five minutes... Ridge, Reggie watches us buck and kiss. Silva on the floor again. Stop pushing my head down, Reg. The shag hooks her silver hoop, ear snagged and hanging off like old fish bait. Stuck down there, someone just cover her up. Three. Three. Silva's in the hallway bathroom. She's clawing up her face again. Reggie is laughing real loud. Silva, you a goddamn pooler now. I don't want to see her face. Her skin peeling off her cheekbone. Pores torn bigger. A face on hinges. I'm high and I want to feel her tits. Put my mouth on her hard nipples. Fuck, Reggie's laughing. I don't want to think about the scabs the other night, me with my panties twisted up in my crack biting down hard on her getting up quickly with blood in my teeth peeing in the free standing sink in the middle of the room my thighs shaking like the hind legs of a dog. Thank you Nancy. Um, So in this long poem
1: you also you introduce characters Reggie and Silva. That's right. And they they surface uh, in the towards the end of the book too that's right
2: the very last poem um yeah i go back to Silva and reggie and so and why
1: why is that because are are they some characters then that are combinations of or they they have a special meaning that stand for um this the like a time in your in your life when you were
2: yeah they're actually um there are these characters that, um, that it's based on real characters that I actually met um, when I lived in San Francisco, and you know I was at I was very when I moved out to San Francisco I was I had hit rock bottom and I started um, I was doing you know some hard drugs there and I quickly became homeless and so I was living with and around these people. Um, in, you know, an abandoned motel. Um and so Silva and Reggie, um in fact I think I the name Reggie was a real name. Um Silva I made up, but she was a real person. Um and I didn't you know, I was lucky. I had friends and family who, um eventually, you know, helped me out and got me out of there and I moved moved home for a while and you know, haven't been back. I've been back to San Francisco, but back since. You know, to that lifestyle. And um, the, so the last poem goes back. I'm back in San Francisco after having you know given up the crack and healed myself, and you know gotten back on my feet. And and there they are, still there. Um, you know. And is that a true thing? Like, is that a moment of truth, or is that a moment of imagined
1: truth for the the teller of this? like what this story is yeah, in the collection that's
2: definitely an imagined truth that they're still there they're they are kind of you know they they signify people who don't have um the help they need to get out of that sort of that life you know i'm i i feel very blessed and lucky that that i had family to help but most of the like reggie's family was all in they were all homeless as well and on drugs and so they didn't have any resources. So I'm imagining them back where they are, you know. Would you like to read that poem uh, Sure. Too? Because we've, I feel like we've alluded to it a couple of times now. Sure. So
1: that would be great. Um, and this is the final moment in the collection. You chose this
2: poem as the last. I did, and I really liked it. It actually has a um, you know a, a quote from the Bible, Consider the Lilies of the Field. And I just thought it was a nice way to um, to end the book. So Consider the Lilies of the Field. Years ago, I slept on the sidewalks in the Tenderloin, a summer junkie selling baking soda crack to college boys. Every day the fog cribs in the blue gum cypress sleep under water, and I do not feel a drop. I am thirty now, still, Silva and Reggie use their cake brown fingers all day, twisting baggies behind Ms Brown's feed bag. Silva keeps her teeth in her scarf. I write all day and into the violet night, my heart soaked through all my life. I've been vain in my grief. Meanwhile, the thin-skinned lilies hold more than their weight of water deep in the perpetually shedding forest. They toil not, neither do they spin. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: I love that part with the thin-skinned lilies um, hold more than their weight of water. That's That's such a powerful image because lilies, you know, are so quiet or in some ways
2: deathly too or so mm-hmm. but then that they're, they're they seem so fragile yes, yeah, yeah and and yet yeah that's i do that a lot with nature you know in my work i i do you want to talk it. about that the nature element in in the yeah because you, you started to so why did i cut you um, off for god's sake? i can briefly talk about it it's something that's so um nature and and spirituality are very connected for me and so sometimes when I'm talking about like a lily or a fiddler crab or you know whatever I feel like I'm talking about God and so it's very hard to talk about um, but nature's well, that's a way of talking about it God it is a way of talking about God yeah and and nature's kind of sort of my religion and, and this is um, it's my way of getting perspective um, in my poems you know Of When I start to feel sorry for myself or, you know, I I say I've been vain in my grief, you know, I was really just (sighs) wallowing in my own self-pity for so long. And, you know, when you look around, you know, nature doesn't do that. You know, it's it it puts everything, you know, it it writes everything, the ocean, the trees. So I use it as a as a way to, I, I think write myself when i feel upside down um or when my poems feel upside down too um they it, the, nature's always popping up you know i think mary oliver i remember you know really was really influenced by mary oliver um who lives on the cape where i live so you, t- so have you, have you been taking
1: walks and then taking them and taking walks and then say, hello, Mary. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she walks at six in the morning and I'm never up that early. But not <laughs> with study but, guides. But right. 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 She's not. <laughs> I shout out to her sometimes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mary the wild geese. <laughs> exactly, you know, and, and it's fun to parody her work and stuff, but she is brilliant and um, oh, I, yeah, I see is. her, she you is. know, wild geese in her blackwater pond and her snakes every where I go, you know, since she she writes about Provincetown and the Cape, it's strange. But um, oh, that's true. I hadn't thought about yeah. that. Yeah, and Mark Doty too. He was there, and so whenever I read him, I'm I, I feel like I live in, in a very blessed poetic place. Mm-hmm. But it's and you do, it would seem. I've I not really been there, it. but it seems how you
1: should come visit. Oh, thank you. I think I will. <laughs> now I've inviting myself over. No, it's that's okay. Plenty, Don't, we have worry, plenty of room. <laughs>
2: Don't worry Nancy. <laughs> There's nothing to do in the winter, so please come visit. Okay. I'll, I'll entertain you guys. Okay, we're going to
1: take a short break and we'll be back. You're listening to Living Writers. I'm T Hetzel, and today Nancy K Pearson is here and we'll be back.
3: I don't like this place. We better go. Then I compare notes with your older sister.
1: Hi, uh, you're listening to Living Writers on WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel, and uh, we have Nancy K. Pearson here today. Um, her book, Two Minutes of Light. So, Nancy, um, you just read read us two, two sections from The Motel by the Hour. Right. And um, in the break, you and I just briefly had mentioned... Um, is that your book is dedicated to two people? That's right. Um, and one one is your namesake, I, I believe. That's if I'm right, my aunt, right.
2: Um, my aunt Nancy. Yes. And and,
1: and to Elizabeth, right, so, my partner. So to 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 um, very important people, and then you and you have a poem. My namesake is dying. That's right. Um, which seems like it it takes um, like that takes a certain kind of uh, risk to write. Like it's a it's a hard poem to write, um, I would think. And then, um, from the motel by the hour, um, that seems like it also, because of somehow like the honesty of it, uh, well, it's always, well, that's all I was going to say. It's always hard to be honest. That makes it sound like I'm um, some sort of reprobate or no, something I, like, um,
2: <laughs> well, I think what's, um, writing the poems themselves. It wasn't hard for me to write the poems. Like, writing uh, My Namesake is Dying about my aunt, who... Um, I wrote it about her dying, and I actually wrote it pretty... Um, pretty soon after she died. You know, I kind of kept notes and stuff. I, I I watched her die, you know, and she died at home. Um, oh, I'm sorry. So, you know, that that was... The writing was, of course, much easier than living through it. Um, and then the, you know, from the motel by the hour. That I wrote long after I had been, you know, in San Francisco living on the streets. And and that was a short live, The time in San Francisco was a very short amount of time in my life. It seemed like forever, but you know, I got out pretty quickly. Um, so in a but, way you could feel disconnected in the writing of that. It was more almost like telling it yes. the story, but not in it. It felt very much. I, I feel very disconnected from the motel by the hour. Um, in fact, I had, I went back to San Francisco just to kind of get a, when I was in the middle of writing this, just to get a feel again of what it looked like and felt like and brought back a lot, you know, of feelings, memories, associations, um, and I, it was at one point starting a memoir, and it, it had kind of started at that point in my life in San Francisco, too. And so I got all kinds of ideas, and then I abandoned the memoir thing. But um, Why is that? I, um, I think because, you know, I don't just want to write a story about my life just for the sake of, look, look what I survived or look what I did. Um, but is that what it feels like? That's what it felt like while I was writing the memoir and that's not that I don't want that um I have no interest in doing that um because that doesn't seem to be art in a way no that doesn't feel like art and I don't and I hope my poems don't do that that's not why I wrote them you know I wanted to create something um but the memoir felt very gratuitous and just um it didn't feel good and Unless I have something more to say and a different perspective on my life that's not, um, oh no, like, you know, this million little pieces kind of story, I, I don't want to write it. You know, I'd rather not have it out there. Um, and I was encouraged to write it because it's an interesting story, you know, the hospitals and the this and that. But I need, but I in need a way,
1: t- that could be a way in, but that almost seemed. Um, because that and that seems important, like studying that time, like you said earlier about the 90s and it's things were fads. And that's
2: right. That and I'm very interested in that part of, of my life and how it would um, kind of historically have, you know, going back and researching more and. Putting putting be, it in there, but that would also be sort of re-entering a darkness. It too. would it would be, and I have to be careful about that, you know. Um, but but you know, I wasn't interested in girl interrupted, you know, that kind of thing. And so you know, I had, <laughs> when saying that that also was starting yeah, to. Yeah. I thought, oh. <laughs> um, I want, I want to create great art, you know, and I, I'm moving a little bit away f- away from autobiography and into something else, and I'm not sure what that is yet. But back to the, the writing, the writing itself is, wasn't, wasn't hard. The, the namesake is dying. Um, that, it's, it's such, I love to write. So it doesn't, it feels hard in the sense that it takes work and, you know, you get frustrated and 13 drafts later, you don't have what you, you know, you want, but emotionally it lifts me up. It really, you know, that sounds like a song, love (laughs) Love lifts you up where you belong. And I think my friend. I think it's a duet. I think I have to say something. It is a duet. Now Now, now you have to sing. And a friend of mine. um, Buffy St. Marie. (laughs) Oh, right, right. A friend of mine put that in his poem, too. It was either Matthew or Michael Dickman. I'm not sure which. Michael Dickman, friend of the show. Yes. I, I, was Edie it in his Nobles. poem? Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. It was great,
2: great people, great th- poets. Who you
1: probably met in Provincetown Yes, we well. <laughs> were there
2: together at the Fine Arts Work Center. And I think his brother might have had it in a poem. Uh, um, probably. Anyway, it does lift <laughs> me up. Um, what is hard, though, was when the book came out, having people read it, that I knew would be upset or, you know, having your mother, you know, open up the, the crack pages or, um, my uncle reading the stuff about, you know, my aunt dying and that, that stuff was, was, I was very frightened. So, so, <laughs> but, out there. but you but you still were
1: able to do it and I did I, it so what is what is that like then it didn't stop you you
2: were able to write the poems you were able to put them into the public sphere I, I sure did I, I just I I said what the heck I'm going to do this and actually it worked out my mother has been great she thinks the work is beautiful It's some, some of it's hard for her um, but she's very supportive my uncle as well my father loves the poems um, you know not everyone likes the poems but my family has been very supportive. So and so that is that
1: is interesting isn't it because it you is. think that there's you can't wait till everyone dies before you say some things th- that are true. That's
2: right. That's right. Yeah. And um so I I was pleasantly surprised with their reaction, you know. And and beyond my immediate family I really don't care, you know. <laughs> if my fifth cousins down in you know the the swamp want to you know <laughs> say something bad about my work whatever you know so
1: the chances are you won't hear it anyway exactly so okay. yeah <laughs> if something said in the swamp about I, a, your yeah. Po- poems and yeah poems it don't won't it. get to me on cape that's cod <laughs> right. the wind can't carry it that far that's Thank right. Goodness. Um, I think it's I think it's interesting because in this poem too, Nancy, you say, um, like, let's pretend I don't exist. You cannot see me, and it's like these things again that you're sort of saying. Uh, the voice is saying that's not putting them in the best, like not putting the 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 voice in the best light too. So you, it's it, right. I'm it's, stealing
2: Percocet and hiding from the family. You know, I'm not nursing my ailing. And, then, no, and relative,
1: yes, but 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 showing also a way of kind of coping in the world, like you're you're s- saying that, and uh, and the moment of taking the photo too, because there's something like where you're taking it from your uncle, but it's because this photo, it just seems, I don't know, even though it's being taken, it seems like somehow the vo- you're still on the voices side like the voice should take it
2: thank you i, <laughs> I hope that i hope yeah. I i'm speaking <laughs> I'm abstractly sh- now and people are like why didn't you read that poem guys
1: <laughs> well we have to buy yeah. the book yeah no.
2: <laughs> not to plug
1: my exactly, book. But. no it's i think it's it's a it's a worthy plug to make now two minutes of light and which will be at shaman drum that's and right p- and probably borders i'd imagine and um amazon Amazon always, you know, check it out online, uh, and Perugia Press, uh, a good, a, a good press to support.
2: Very good press. Doing interesting work, one book a year. That's right, and the editor Susan Can puts, you know, her life into your book once you're selected for the award. And you can see the care, really, that what they what they create is a is a,
1: a lovely product. Yeah, too. their books are are, are beautiful. Um, getting back to there's like we've been talking about like the that there's there's grittiness and there's there's pain and there's um like you're talking about betrayal and, and loss and but then there's also these great moments of humor too and is that um where, where are they? Okay, let me quote you one. I've got it right here. Well, I I was well. You know what? You're right. It's there's not a lot of moments of humor in this book. But I like. So to I think they have a sense of humor. <laughs> no, you do. But um, okay. Hopefully this was intentional, right? Because okay. otherwise now I've just really gone and done it. Um, humming the doublemint song. Oh right. So right. when I turned to this page, I suddenly thought, huh? You know, uh, this is. And the first line is just great. Again, with this voice, this voice that you've come to, to know many things about, right? Um, the first line, well, why don't you read it? Because you're here, Nancy. Do you want me to read the first
2: line or first answer? Or, or? Sure, that would be great. Okay, humming the Doublemint song. What with Dancing with the Stars canceled, we surf for a series on giant squid, instead are hooked by a countdown of cele- celebrity meltdowns. Yeah, like that's really great. Ah, oh, thank you.
1: Because <laughs> um, it, it, you know it's it's just so um, it is so so funny. What with you know Dancing with the Stars canceled, and it's such a moment in time. Like that that roots it to a very specific right. time in American television history. <laughs> right, <I> think, right. <laughs> where almost everybody that I knew was talking about that program, no matter what their other interests in life were. And I thought, well, I should look at it. So I watched it once to see yeah. what people were saying, but.
2: I've only seen it a few times. The giant That's... squid thing actually That's... was an obsession with um, some of the fellows at the Fine Arts Work Center. Yes, and I thought I had to put it in a poem. It might—the giant squid might show up on, in various stories by. By different fellows um well and i know
1: actually my friend phoebe who was was also there with michael right. Dickman, she already had a story about giant squid that she was working on at michigan
2: hooray so Maybe giant squid maybe she brought it to provincetown maybe, maybe she started it maybe she was this um, squid
1: phenomenon maker. yeah but it's so good that you well i'll have to definitely look to see you know where's this the giant squid in other people's work coming out of Provincetown. That's right. Is, is it? Do you feel like you have a real community of writers after spending those
2: those? Cons- I do. I really do. I feel like I have a great community in Provincetown. Um, Salvatore Scabona's there. Um, friend of the show. That's right. Friend of the show. There are lots of uh, Roger Skillings. There are a lot of poets who come back there um, and a lot of poets who, who have stayed there. But I also feel like I have... Now I have a community or I have links in almost every city and state, you know, in the U.S., including, you know, Australia and England because of the work center. You know, here I am staying on my friend Mike's couch. He was a fellow, Um, had his students read, you know, my book. So, it, oh, so wherever go I the, go, will you go to the class, Nancy, and speak with them? And yes, it, oh, I will. wonderful! Oh, that's I great. sure will. So I have great friends through the work center. Um, it, it keep we all keep each other going, you know. That's important. It seems like with the the writing life, it, it is, is important. Like it, it's it the first time I felt like I was doing something legitimate. Like I didn't have to decide what I was going to be. It, Finally, I was like, okay, I'm a writer. This is who I am. I don't need to say, I think I want to be a lawyer. Lie, you know. This is, you know, it legitimized what I was doing by that's being at the work center. Of your next book, I think I want to be a lawyer. Lie, <laughs> that's right.
1: Well, thank you so much. Thank for you so much for program. having me here. This has been great fun. And, and I look forward to seeing what's next. Your next projects, and um, you've been listening to Living Writers um, today on the program. Nancy K. Pearson, her book, Two Minutes of Light. Thank you for listening. Ann Arbor streaming from Florida, Chicago. Seattle, wherever you are. I'm T Hetzel. Until next time.
2: jigsaw puzzle i'm getting ice skates
3: i'm getting melted ice caps
2: a walkie-talkie i'm getting a severe drought
4: i'm getting a catcher's
2: a killer heat wave a shrinking glacier
0: i'm getting a devastating flood
4: adults are generous we're even giving kids global warming but we can still reduce greenhouse gas pollution go to fightglobalwarming.com brought to you by environmental defense the robertson foundation and the ad council
0: here. Don't allow no above testing here. Care, allow.
4: For the last word in country music, it's the Down Home Show, every Saturday afternoon from 1 to 4, right here on WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. we oh darling. When I loot by the road tonight Tonight there will be no quarreling Everything is gonna be alright Oh I see by the angel beside me That love has a reason to shine You're the one I adore Come over here and give me more than when I lose this Think you'll find winterlude, winterlude my little apple winter by the corn in the field winterlude let's go down to the chapel then come back and cook up a meal when we'll come out when the skating rink glistens by the sun and the Crossroads sign The snow is so cold, but our love can be bold. Winter this dude thinks you'll find Winter Winterlude, winter my little days.